We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Tanea Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast, and the Pack a Day podcast it is. It's Thursday. It's Victory Thursday again, and we're feeling much better than we were last time around when we did this episode. The Packers are now five and one after demolishing. The Houston Texans, and uh, as Maggie noted on her Twitter account, we wish we were all back in Texas because the ocean is, in fact, no place for a squirrel. So thank you guys for joining us tonight for our usual Thursday episode. I got the whole gang here, and that's kind of a nice little segue because the Packers are starting to get some of their gang back. So I am Jacob Westendorf. I'm your host for this particular episode, so I apologize for those of you that have to put up with me again. But here we are, and I do have some redeemable qualities, none of which those larger and my usual co-host, and that is Miss Maggie Loney. Maggie, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing good. I, I always feel really good when you host because I just get a bunch of compliments. So nice. I've got like a laundry <laughs> list over here somewhere of like adjectives to throw your direction. And then I've got a real short list like written on my hand for Jimmy because I don't have a lot of good things to say to you, Jimmy. So uh, the mustache, man, Jimmy started Movember, and that's Movember yeah. with an M a little early. 
Uh, yeah. Jimmy, I'm doing that myself, but I'm cheating a little bit, and it's because I tried, and I've tried like three separate times talking to my wife to see if I could do just the mustache, but she said if I shave my goatee that she will shave my mustache in my sleep. So <laughs> it is a no, and uh, happy wife, happy life, right? Yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, you can't upset her. I, I fully support that decision. And my wife is the general manager, for those of you that are familiar with my Twitter account, and I think we should start there because I asked her today, would you trade for Will Fuller, the Texans wide receiver, and she approved. She said yes, and whatever that means to you is fine. That means everything to me. So whatever my wife says in terms of who it is that the Packers should and shouldn't acquire and trade for, I'm all in. So last year, uh, she said the Packers should draft an offensive guard in the first round, for example. I was in. Why not? I'm a supportive husband. So <laughs> anyways, that's that's where I want to start because the report today came from The Athletic in Houston that the Packers are one of the teams, and Matt Schneidman on Open Book from Game On Wisconsin actually said that they're the most serious team that has been inquiring about Will Fuller of the Houston Texans. And normally, Maggie and I talked last week about the possibilities of Randall Cobb, and I can't believe we didn't even get to the point of Will Fuller, but we didn't, and that's okay. That's why we're here now. That's where I want to start because it, it was interesting and it is something that Matt LaFleur and Will Fuller have a connection. Uh, LaFleur was the quarterback's coach at Notre Dame when Fuller was a player at Notre Dame, so that connection is there. They at least have some knowledge of each other that way. LaFleur had some really positive things to say about him coming into the week, said he was a borderline wide receiver one, which is high praise when you play on a team that has Devontae Adams on it, obviously. Guys, the Packers and their – well, the, not the Packers, I shouldn't say that, but the fan base has clamored for a wide receiver since Brett Favre retired, it feels like, for the final time. <laughs> I mean, what are your thoughts on on this? Maggie, I'll start with you on, on the potential of bringing in Will Fuller and what he could bring to this offense. The trading deadline, as we record, is about six days away. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting, and I know that I now have officially gone on record on my Twitter account and said that I would rather see the Packers invest in some help on defense instead of on offense, because I think that the offense has the pieces that it needs, but if you have an opportunity to get a player of Will Fuller's caliber, dependent on, you know, what that contract looks like, I know he kind of has rental qualities this year. His contract is not really heavy yet since he's still on his rookie deal. I say go for it, and it's it's not like a J.J. Watt scenario where you're kind of mortgaging your present to think about, like, being unable to sign a guy like Corey Lindsley, Kevin King, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones long-term. This feels very much in the present, and I think that's kind of the goal is you don't want to go out and you don't want to spend big money, even on a guy like Randall Cobb, whose contract is pretty significant and their cap hit, cap hit is pretty extensive. But if you can bring in a guy who can become a key piece of the Matt LaFleur offense and immediately contribute, I don't see why it's an issue. I mean, I I guess I think that the offense is very serviceable without a player like Will Fuller, but Will Fuller will only make your team better, so that's worth it. Yeah, getting better is always a good thing, right? Nobody's going to complain too, too much about that, I would imagine. Jimmy, what what do you think about just the possible fit of this? Because something that Jason Hirshhorn pointed out, and he's a friend of just about – every program that relates to the Packers, but Jason Hirshhorn's a good person And uh, as far as getting into this kind of detail was based on the draft compensation that the Packers may or may not have to give up, might tell you how they feel about him as a piece, not just now, but in the long-term future as well. For example, the point I made was if they give up a fourth-round pick, they'll probably get one of those back or something close to it 
in terms of a compensatory pick for the Blake Martinez and Brian Balaga defections, in addition to the fact that they didn't sign any unrestricted free agents. They should have a healthy dose of compensatory picks coming their way. But if they give up a fourth, they're probably okay with just renting him. Anything above that, however, then you're starting to look at him as potentially a long-term piece. Is this somebody, Maggie mentioned some other people. So of that list of free agents that you just mentioned, and this is not an excuse for you to gush about Jamal Williams, so please do not do that. (laughs) But of that group of free agents that let's just go with the big four, okay? So Bakhtiari, Jones, King, and Lindsley being the top four. Of those four guys I just mentioned, are there any of them that you're willing to say, if we acquire Will Fuller, I am willing to let these people walk? Where does Fuller fall on that list of priorities of those four, which would now make it five if if my math checks out there? Yeah. Um, so my big two that I want signed right away are Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley. They're two of the top offensive linemen right now, um, according to PFF this year, and Bakhtiari has been for the last few years. Lindsley's playing out of his mind, and uh, he's completely changed my standpoint on him going from the beginning of the season where I was like, well, he's probably the one that's most likely the easy cut, but he's, I think he's played himself in con- into contention for just being back on this team next year. Um, and like you say, you win um, you win the games in the trenches, right? What's your saying that uh, on on Reese, Rice, yeah. Well, there's quite a few, but build the front and the rest will fall into place, I think, is the one that you're uh, going into on that. You know, one of those. Yeah, that works. So, <laughs> uh, when it comes to offensive line play, Owen's got a plethora of things that he likes to yeah. throw out there, What was so. it? Name a good team with the bad that Oh, there you go. Name, yep. Name a good team that's not good up front. Yep. Yeah. So, like, getting rid of – if we get rid of our center, which is extremely important to the offensive line, I think that's really going to slow down a unit that's been playing – above my expectations this year with the kind of the merry-go-round that they've been having. Um, and I really want to keep that intact. For me, one big, one thing I saw today, was they, they compared the stats of Ezekiel Elliott to James Robinson. Um, and they're, they're projected to have close to the same season this year. And the big difference is, is Zeke's making a ridiculous amount of money and James Robinson is making under a million. So honestly, I, at this point, I would put Fuller over – Jones and Kevin King, mainly because Kevin King's injuries just worry me because he's always he's been hurt his first couple seasons. Um, and then last year he played or appeared in 15 out of the 16 games. This year he's already missed two, uh, might miss again this week. But um, so that I would I would probably put him at three on that that list of five. If that makes sense. But I, I am I, one thing I'm nervous to just kind of go with getting him to the team is the Texans have when they had Bill O'Brien. They had such terrible trades, and they gave up so much that I could see their new new person in charge just trying to earn some of that back and being a little bit of a stickler, not giving uh, not giving away people for um, deals and trying to be the the one kind of robbing other teams. So it makes me a little nervous on what they're what they want to get rid of Fuller. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. 
Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit and Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. So a little rapid real quick for both of you guys here. What would be your guys' like threshold? What is too much, quote-unquote, to give up? What's the most that you would give up for Fuller? Maggie, I'll start with you. Okay, well, I don't like rapid fire because I like to explain my thought process. Okay. But okay. No, no, I mean, like, I, th- I think about it like, you know, if you can have a player like Will Fuller, you also have to prioritize re-signing Devontae Adams. He's coming up. Jair Alexander's coming up. So it's, it's a really hard year to think about spending money on a, on a wide receiver because mm-hmm. you'd ideally want a drafted player, which I'm not even going to – I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about it. But, you know, Will Fuller is going to be due some money very soon. So if he's a rental, I think you give up a third or fourth and you don't really feel too bad about it if he can put you over the hump. But if you're investing any significant draft capital that could go into the 2021 draft class that's supposed to also be loaded with wide receivers and you can get a guy for four or five years on a really cheap deal, I don't think you want to – you know, run that risk with a with a contract that he, I mean, Will Fuller's going to want to get paid after the season, so somebody's going to have to pay him. Yeah, that's the question. That's like the I don't know how many million, but that's the millions of dollars question, right? Is how do right. the the speculation that I've seen as far as the market goes with the depressed salary cap is that the elite players are going to get paid. So, for example, if David Bakhtiari hits the open market, he's still going to make bank. Some team is going to pay him, and it's going to be the Green Bay Packers. So, I want that markdown screenshot it, record it, whatever. The Packers are going to pay David Bakhtiari. So everybody just chill out. It's going to be okay on that front. But the mid-tier free agents, that second group, or even some of those like above-average players that tend to get overpaid. When I'm thinking about receivers, I think about like the Paul Richardson contract that Washington gave him a couple years ago where it was like five years and 40 mil or something like that, which seemed outrageous for a player of his caliber. What are those level free agents going to get on the open market because they're not elite players. The cap is severely depressed. You think about teams like New Orleans and Philadelphia and Minnesota and some of these teams that are just in salary cap hell, and now they're in salary cap hell with a projected cap of a normal growing year. Now you add in a depressed COVID-19 year, that's a tough one for them. So I, I am curious to see how that, that payment works. My answer to this question is, yeah, if you're renting him, I think it's a fourth-round pick. If it's anything above that, I would like to see them at least try to re-sign him. And my reason for that is this. I don't know if there's a player that I've seen hit the quote-unquote market because I don't really know if Will Fuller's on the open market. They're obviously not going to just give him away. And they're not going to trade him just to trade him is the phrasing that was used. That being said, I don't know if there's a player that fits the Packers' need and the value potentially better than what Will Fuller has. If you look at the receivers that they've been in on, Emmanuel Sanders is somebody that would have fit like that. Didn't choose to play in Green Bay. Chose to go to New Orleans. He said it was because of the cold. More power to him. (laughs) Fine and dandy. They tried to get some receivers in the draft. They chose not to do that. They chose to move up and get their quarterback. Uh, And then some of the receivers that they liked, you can infer who those were. I tend to think it was Michael Pittman and Chase Claypool. They weren't able to move up and get those guys, so that didn't happen. They've tried to make big, significant moves like that. I don't think that they want to add just another MBS lottery ticket type, for example, to the roster. They want to add somebody who's a really good player, a difference maker, and now somebody that they can get for a relatively affordable option. Will Fuller, to me, is somebody, 
with all due respect to Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Will Fuller's a much better player. And with all due respect, I like Alan Lazard. Will Fuller's a better player than Alan Lazard. The only difference that had Will Fuller not had reservations on Jair Island last week, we all would have had a front row seat to just how good this guy is. Now, unfortunately for Will Fuller, Jair Alexander might be the best cornerback in all of football. So to me, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for the Packers to do it. But as I've said all day, and my friends Sanjay and Todd and a few others like to mock me for it now, but I say it takes two to tango. you got to get the team to agree to the trade as well. And I think that the Packers have a serious interest. This appears to be an opportunity where they really could have a good opportunity to bring somebody in that can make a difference. Jimmy, what is the most that you would give up? Would you go as high? The Texans don't have a first or a second round pick. Would you go that high or would you settle in below that? Level. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that high um, because, like you said, if you do that, like you need, you you need to try to resign him, like really try to resign him. And uh, right now, we have too many people to worry about. So I would, I'd sell right around that third and fourth uh, because that's a good rental price, and especially if that's someone that can put you over the hump to get into that Super Bowl, um, that's that's worth it to me. But anything higher than a third, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too keen on. Here's something to think about, and before we transition, I'll just go this route. Last week against Houston, the wide receiver, the the pass-catching group was Devontae Adams, and then Marcos Valdez-Scantling, Darius Shepard, Malik Taylor, Jamal Williams. If this trade goes through, that would be then, when everybody's healthy, Alan Lazard, Will Fuller, Aaron Jones, and obviously Robert Tanyan and Jay Sternberger and those guys too. But just those three guys around him. The game's not played on paper. But that is a significant upgrade. Now, that being said, I agree with Maggie. I think when the offense is healthy and Lazard is there and Aaron Jones is there, that they have enough to win. But if the best value that presents itself is on offense, then I think that's the route you have to go because it might be one of those years where if you look around the league, how many teams can you say do you think have a great defense? Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay? Is that it? I mean, if that's the case, then there just aren't a lot of teams. I don't know. And in this modern era of the NFL, offense tends to kind of carry the day anyways. I know the popular saying is defense wins championships, but we just saw last year the number one offense in the NFL beat the number one defense. That happened. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. It's not just because Kansas City had the best offense. But I think that if Green Bay – and not only that, we've talked about this on this show multiple times. From a talent standpoint, right now as we sit, the Packers' defense, man-to-man, is more talented than the Packers' offenses. Preston Smith hasn't played well yet. He finally had some spark last week. He's going to be ready to roll. Zadarius Smith hasn't played his best yet. I think that time's coming. Kenny Clark's going to round into midseason form. Jair Alexander is a shutdown corner. That's a real thing. That's happening. Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Kevin King. Josh Jackson has played well. I think they have a talented defense. They're just trying to figure some things out. And I think that this defense, we would say, is probably – we would probably be thinking the defense is average if they didn't get blown away in Tampa Bay the way they did. If they had lost 24 to 10 or something like that, the way that they did without the two interceptions, essentially, I think we'd be looking at this defense a lot differently than the way that it really is right now. It's an average defense. Can they get to above average with a great offense? I, they could, that remains to be seen. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. 
You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Our matchup this week is the Vikings offense against the Packers defense. And if you think you've heard this episode before, well, you kind of have. Uh, the Packers started the season week one against the Minnesota Vikings. They scored 43 points. That was awesome. The problem is they gave up 34 the defense is a little different this time around. The Vikings' offense is also a little different this time around. So typically we kind of work from the front to the back on the defense, but I don't really want to do that because we've already previewed this matchup once before. So we're just going to kind of look at some of the differences. And if you look at the Packers right now, there are some. Christian Kirksey was just designated to return today off of injured reserve. Now he may or may not be ready to play this weekend against Minnesota. If he's not, then you're looking at a combination of Chris Barnes, Ty Summers, and Kamal Martin. And that's where I want to start because there are some people, and some people smarter than I am too, that seem to think that Christian Kirksey should maybe be back on the bench even when he is back because of how well Barnes has played and how good Kamal Martin looked in his initial snaps this past week against Houston. That being said, Maggie, there may not be a bigger fan in the world of Christian Kirksey aside from his mother than you, but what are your thoughts on this linebacking core and what it could be moving forward? They kind of have, I think it's kind of nice. They have some, I don't want to call them interchangeable, but they have some pieces to the point where it's not like, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were thinking if Christian Kirksey gets hurt, good Lord, what's behind him? We have no idea. And now it at least feels like, okay, Barnes has done okay. Martin looked pretty good. Ty Summers has had some struggles, but he's had some nice plays as well. But what's your thought on this linebacking unit as a whole compared to what we thought coming into week one? Yeah, I, I took like a really deep dive into that inside linebacker position as a whole for Chisa TV probably in like June or July. And that's what I said was, you know, Christian Kirksey, last couple seasons he's been injured. You're moving on from a guy like Blake Martinez who played almost 100% of snaps pretty much for his entire tenure with the Packers. Say what you want about him, whether or not you loved him, hated him. He was always kind of a polarizing player for the Packers. And you like you couldn't match his production. So he was always, you know, a sure tackler or around the ball, whether, you know, in his opinion, he was being asked to just kind of clean up. But he was always on the field. So you're you're going to a player like Christian Kirksey who has an injury history and then you're looking at a lot of unproven depth. Oren Burks is not even playing inside linebacker right now. They've kind of shifted him to rush the passer in very limited snaps. He's kind of primarily a special teamer. You mentioned Ty Summers, and then you have Kamal Martin, who was a fifth-round draft pick who just came back, and Chris Barnes, who was an undrafted guy. And I think that, you know, Barnes wasn't even on people's radars going into the season. Kamal Martin was somebody that the Packers were really excited about, and then he got hurt. So there, it was, you know, a lot of unknowns, and I think it is still kind of an unknown commodity. But the thing that I like so much about Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes as a tandem is that they've kind of, like, come into the defense together. And if you listen to uh, Kamal Martin's presser, it was really interesting because he talked about Chris Barnes being the guy that he would have separate meetings with. And they kind of leaned on each other to learn this defense. And, you know, when, when you think about that dynamic as both of them in their rookie season, there's a lot of growth there. And I think that Christian Kirksey will come back and get his job back because I don't think we got to see a ton of him before he really got injured. I think that they'll use Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes in different roles in the middle of the defense opposite Kirksey. But I think they bring a lot of versatility. And if they both look really, really good, 
then you're talking about Kristen Kirksey maybe being a cap casualty going into next season to give you more versatility to sign a guy like Corey Lindsley. Yeah, and I think you have a a good physical group of linebackers and somebody, I mean, we're not, well, we'll kind of get this chance in terms of the San Francisco game. Uh, I think that's what I'm looking at the most is I really hope that Mike Pettin changes his spots a little bit because I saw some of the stats from Ben Fennell about teams that play dime against the 49ers and it doesn't go well and it didn't go well last year, but I like the idea or at least the possibility that things could be different. If Kirksey's back, I'm with you. I'm willing to give him – he played, what, two and a half games before he exited with an injury. So, I mean, that's not nearly enough time to draw a conclusion on it. But I do think it is interesting to see those two coming together. The run defense this year, for all the gnashing of teeth that happened in the first one and a half games of the season, has been above average. It's 13th in yards per play or something like that. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I know that they are above – the 16 threshold, so if 16 is middle of the pack out of 32, again, if my math checks, then that would be above average. And they get some big tests, obviously. Dalvin Cook is coming this week. He's back. And then, obviously, four days later, they play the San Francisco 49ers. And the 49ers' identity is to row great and ram the ball down your throat. Jimmy, for you, I want to go to the back end of the defense because something that's different this time around between these two teams is kind of twofold. Number one, Kevin King did not participate in practice again today. They did not say last week he went from questionable to doubtful. They wouldn't say if he had a setback, but if he did, it would make sense because when you go from questionable to doubtful, that's just logical thinking there. That means Josh Jackson's going to play, and he has done relatively well in some extended snaps. He's a polarizing player. Uh, I think that there are people that are ready to give up on him for – Whatever those reasons are, anytime a mistake is made, and I understand that. I, I think that people don't realize that what Jair Alexander does isn't necessarily normal. <laughs> I think yeah. that that you know a good cornerback, that like Jair Alexander, isn't the the standard for good necessarily. Jair is the standard for superstar, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying Josh Jackson's even great or even good, but. Last week he did well against Brandon Cooks, gave up one catch to Brandon Cooks, and that was somebody that people thought could definitely do well against him. Justin Jefferson right now is the leader in the clubhouse for the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he has been phenomenal. And it still is crazy to me that the Vikings have as many weapons on offense as they do, and they're as bad as they are. Uh, You would think that that offense could luck its way into another win or two, but they've only got the one on the season so far. What are your thoughts on the Vikings' ability? Because the first time around – from a passing game standpoint, they didn't do a whole heck of a lot until the score was 29 to 10. So what do you think Green Bay is going to try and do to slow down this passing attack now that there are two players, especially with Jefferson, that seem to be really cooking in that Minnesota receiving core? Yeah, I think the big thing is going to have to be, and I know we're talking about the back end, but we also have Kenny Clark be able to play, hopefully be able to play a full game, knock on wood for any injuries you don't see, but um, be able to play a full game, which will help get pressure on Kirk Cousins and I have zero faith in that man. So game pressure on Cousins is going to be huge. But um, looking at um, looking at the receivers, especially Jefferson, the one of the million benefits of having Jair is that you can kind of put him on that island, and he's gonna he has feeling. That's his guy, and it allows you to put more focus and bring in maybe a second guy over, having the safety help out a lot more. Whoever Josh, well, whoever's guarding Jefferson, like we said, probably be Jackson, but. It's just allowing you to have a little more help on that end, but it's going to be a big test for Jackson. 
Um, last week, like you said, he only gave up one catch. He's made some really impressive stops in the run game as well. This tackling's been um, nice to see out of corners because a lot of times you just see them throwing their shoulder in and hoping somebody goes down. But Jackson's made some impressive plays, and it's going to be time for him to – this is going to be his best test so far. So if he can slow down someone, like you said, who's going to be – who is right now the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year, um, hopefully we can get some help for him for that. But it's a big test for him for sure. Yeah, more good than bad, I think, through the two games of extended action that Jackson has yeah. played. I know people want to point to the touchdown. I blame that more on the three-man pressure that was brought to Tom Brady than anything else on that one. And then the 40-yard pass interference penalty, to me, I think you can look at that one of two ways. I choose to look at it as he didn't locate the ball in panic. So that's bad. But overall, like I said, more good than bad. He's had two run stops, like you mentioned, that have forced a punt. So those are three and outs, plays in the running game, and that's where, you know, that's an easy way to make some plays and make some hay. And it's something to think about for the future when we're talking about potentially Kevin King. Do they think Josh Jackson is good enough to rely on going into the 2021 season? I know a lot of people on the tweet machine like to point out that, well, trade him, cut him, whatever. There's there's really no point in that. I, I mean, you can't trade him for anything of any significant value. And you used a second-round pick on him, so you might as well use every bit of time that you have to hope that he can contribute to this defense. Now, if it becomes painfully obvious he can't, sure, then maybe you try and figure out a change of scenery and cut him at the end of training camp next year or something like that. But trading him doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me on anything like that. Overall, I agree with you. I think the the pass rush after Kirk Cousins make him – he is towards the top of the league, if not the league leader in interceptions. At this point of the season, he's been – one of the worst quarterbacks in football. And I know that we make a lot of Kirk Cousins jokes, but that's not normal. It's not normal for Kirk to be one of the worst quarterbacks in football. Now, overpaid, overvalued because of his contract, you know, all that stuff, that's that's a separate conversation. But this isn't normal. Minnesota's having a tough season. They don't have any cornerbacks left. The one They have ones that are injured. They just put Cameron Dantzler on the COVID list, like, Devontae Adams said last week he can only eat what's in front of him. Well, by the end of the week, Jimmy, one of them tryout videos might get you in purple by the end of the show. So, <laughs> Amen. I, if I got to lock down Devontae, I got to lock down Devontae. I, <laughs> it'd be like that sometimes. Yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> My money's on Tay. Just, I mean, with well, all due respect to you, Jimmy, if Devontae's facing just about any corner, my money's on Devontae. Yeah, but, about to lose some money, but all right. I think that that is... Jimmy's doing us a favor. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we're, we're appreciative. <laughs> so, guys, the Packers are obviously um, 1-0 against Minnesota this year. They're 5-1 and coming into this game. They have a huge game against San Francisco a few days later. And San Francisco certainly looks like they found their footing after a tough start to the season. That being said, San Francisco, it's it looks like everybody and their mother is still injured, and they keep getting injuries piled on. They get a couple guys back, and then, like, I know this because my fantasy team has half of their team, it feels yeah. like, but Debo Samuel is back on the uh, injured list. Raheem Mostert is not going to play. I All think those he's back things. on IR, too. He is, so they won't play. And we're not talking about San Francisco, obviously, because I think if there's anything we've learned, and I've talked about this today, and Maggie made a point of this as well, is the Packers, the trap game isn't really a thing under Matt LaFleur. You can point out their struggles after the bye on the road, but I don't think that's the same level of trap game as it is like facing a bad team before a good team or facing a bad team before the bye like they did before, like last year against Carolina or this year against Atlanta. They played those teams before the bye. They blew Atlanta out. 
They should have won handily against Carolina, but it came down to a goal line stand in the snow, and that made it all the cooler for that reason. So <laughs> some of the best pictures that I've seen for the Packers, I need to get a few of those down here, but some of the best pictures I've seen for the Packers emerged from that game. So I'm with it. It's fine. They just they did that because me and Maggie were there that day. That's why. I was going to say, I took some. I got you. There we go. So we've got that. Um, at any rate, what are your guys' thoughts on this game? I don't want to be, like, disrespectful, but, Maggie, does Minnesota have a chance? I say yes because, you know, it's a division game, and we've seen, like, you know, the Falcons are having a really terrible season, but they beat down the Vikings. They should have beat the Lions. Like, bad teams. The Texans are a better team than their record. So sometimes that just happens. And, you know, I think that the Vikings are losing key players here with Neil Hunter, with Yannick Ngakwe. Like, their their roster looks different, and I do think that the Packers will win, and I think that they have all of the advantages on paper here, but still a divisional game. Mike Zimmer's probably, you know, pretty salty that Matt LaFleur is 8-0 in the, the division to start his tenure with the Packers. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can expect a normal game, but I think it'll be a two-score game for the Packers. James? Yeah, I... They definitely have a chance just because their offense does have a lot of weapons, even though they're not all clicking right now. Uh, but the big thing is their corners are out, and we saw the Rodgers-Adams connection is stronger than ever. So um, I, I just don't think their defense is going to be able to stop our offense. And in a shootout, I'm taking Rodgers over baby hand cousins anytime. So I'm going Packers for sure. That's my thing is if they have to go – I just – I don't see a path to victory – for Minnesota is like if they have to go in a defensive struggle, Minnesota's defense isn't good enough to do that. If they have to go score for score, Green Bay's offense is better because it's 12 against eight. It's just, I hate to break it down to just as simple as the quarterbacks, but it it is that simple to me. And then you're talking about potential for weather, 40 mile an hour winds. Kirk Cousins doesn't have the strongest arm to zip it through those 40 mile an hour winds. That might be something where the Packers could potentially feel the absence of Aaron Jones a little bit, but Again, the Vikings, they don't stop anything. They don't stop the run that well. They don't stop the pass. They didn't, they kind of loaded up to stop the run against Green Bay the last time around, but that started working a little bit by the end of the first game, but they just threw the ball all over the field the first time, so it didn't really matter. I, I don't see a path to victory for Minnesota. I pictured Green Bay blowing them out in the first game. I don't see any reason for this to change. The only thing I think is they'll have, Minnesota will have less success in garbage time. Just because some of those players won't be around. Yeah, I think Green Bay wins. I think it's a two score game, maybe three. And, you know, recover an onside kick and don't get a punt blocked and some of the stupid stuff that happened last week to keep the Texans around longer than they really need to. This is what I hope is last week we talked about it being a get right game for the offense. This is what I hope can be like a get right game for the pass rush. Last week was a good start getting 13 pressures on Deshaun Watson. Now you're facing a bad offensive line against a statue quarterback who's not going to escape anything. I'd like to see Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and some of these non-Zadarius pass rushers start to get – and if Z wants to have, like, another game with four or five sacks, that's fine. But I'm just saying, like – I'll write another poem. There you go, Z. (laughs) If you're listening, and I'm sure you are, four or five sacks. I think we could – four or five. Maggie writes another poem for you. I'll do it for three, honestly. Like, my bar is low. Bar is – okay. So three. There we have it. But I would like to see Gary and some of these other guys just kind of get in on the mix a little bit because the Packers are going to need 
especially Preston Smith, and he showed some life last week, and that was definitely nice to see him get in on the action because it feels like he's been missing yeah. for most of the year, and he's a really important player for this Packers defense. But we're out of time. Thank you guys for listening and following along here. This is the Thursday episode. I'm Jacob Westendorf, joined, as always, by Maggie Loney and Jimmy Christensen. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow the podcast. It's at Packaday Podcast. Like and subscribe. Uh, we like those reviews to have those five stars along with it. Follow the show on YouTube as well. Andy Herman, you get him every morning on the Packaday YouTube and over at Packer Report. And who doesn't need more Andy Herman in their lives? So let's be honest. So you get grading the pack early and all kinds of other stuff going on there too. So it's a lot of good stuff coming out of the Packaday podcast. Jimmy, where can we find you? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Jimmy underscore C08. Um, all the stuff that I do will be on there. I have an article for Packer Report, a couple shows for Game on Wisconsin. Uh, the big thing I want to plug is just the Jamal Williams show every Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Uh, he does that with us, not because he loves us, even though I'm starting to think he does a little bit. Uh, he did say that we were friends. He he's, did yeah, say that. You, he and said I you have... two were friends. He just calls me weenie all the time. <laughs> but he, uh, we're doing it just to raise money for his Christmas toy drive he does every year. Over $5,000 already. We're trying to reach our goal of 10000 and anyone that donates over $10 gets uh, put in automatically in a raffle for some pretty sweet prizes. So, Give out of your heart, and you get a little bit of reward, too, if you get picked. So it's a, it's a nice thing. Yep, and by uh, we don't have a show coming up on Tuesday the 3rd, but Tuesday the 10th we should have an announcement for when that giveaway is going to be and everything like that, too. So that's pretty exciting and pretty cool, but we're excited for that. Thank you to all that have donated already. And we save the best for last, of course. Maggie Loney, where can we find you, aside from <laughs> everywhere, every day, every hour? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I also podcast with the light of my life, Perry Goldstein, doing Packs What She Said. That comes out every Friday. Uh, we have a Monday happy hour show uh, through Game On Wisconsin. And if you check back with the Pack-A-Day podcast next Wednesday, I heard that there's a really special episode planned, and I may or may not be a part of that. So, mm. yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's just what All I heard. Right. I have I a room. So I have a really quick question. Super quick. It's quick. So if Perry's like the light of your life, are Jacob and I like the black hole of your life? (laughs) (laughs) This is my least favorite thing that I do in a week. Just I I love the positivity. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it, though, Jimmy. That's a relatively high bar. If you think about it, everything else she does from a video and audio standpoint is Perry Goldstein. So, I mean – that could mean, like, if Perry's a 10, that could mean we're, like, nines. We're going to leave it at that. No more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are out of time. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. The Packers play the Vikings Sunday at noon at Lambeau Field, and we look forward to seeing the Packers back at home. Even if there are no fans in the stands, there's just something about Lambeau in the late fall, early winter. I got goosebumps just thinking about it right now. It's very cool to sit here and think about that. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.